talking so fast you can run his podcast at point five. Results are conclusive, just know that he argues both sides. His GM is a shadow of his normal self. Doppelganger still. Hello and welcome to the special teaser for my actual plays on Shadow Plays, more um, specifically about the Nordland adventure about to start. So I'm about to start an actual play set in Nordland using Dungeon Fantasy powered by GURPS, uh, which is Nordland's a setting by Douglas Cole of Gaming Ballistic. If you listen to my other podcasts, I have a full interview with Doug on there, which is about an hour long, where I talk about some of the things, including, you know, his Patreon and uh, the fantasy trip. But this one, I've just uh, cut down to the stuff where we just talked about Dungeon Fantasy, mainly as a bit of a teaser about what we maybe might be able to expect, the sort of game we're going to be playing and things like that. So if you've got an interest in that and you want to catch up with what we might be doing in the next few sessions, then please have a listen. So with no further ado, let's move on and let you listen to what Doug's got to say about Dungeon Fantasy. So I'm joined today by uh, Douglas Cole of Gaming Ballistic, um, and today we'll talk a bit about the Nordland setting uh, that I'm going to be doing as part of my actual play. So first of all, thank you, Doug, for coming along today on the show. Hopefully it's not too early for you. <laughs> no, no, here. not at all. It's uh, <laughs> it's actually perfect. It's 9.30 in the morning, kids are off to school, and my house is now empty. So <laughs> it's uh, the only thing that I've got uh, to disturb me is a pesky kitten. Well, I might have a dog in a minute. I tend to get the dogs thrown at me when it's getting noisy in the house. So we might have been joined by pets quite soon. We shall see. Uh, the main thing I wanted to ask you was for the listeners to the show uh, and especially around the actual play was that we're going to be setting it in the Northland. I'm going to massacre some of the pronunciation on this setting. I do apologize to anyone in advance that I don't speak Icelandic or Old Norse. So during the whole actual play and everything, I will probably get the pronunciation very badly wrong. So I do take the mind. But I guess what I wanted for the listeners was maybe for you to talk us through kind of what the setting is and what they can maybe expect from some of the adventures that the players will be having in it. Absolutely. So Nordland is um, basically somewhere between historical Viking land and Disney Viking land, if you really want to call it that way. Um, it, it's not how to train your dragon, but it's also not, you know, gritty. Uh, um, we want to get the history all entirely correct. Basically, what it boils down to is that the, I guess, culturally uh uh adapted or or what we think of when we think of, of vikings and some of the pieces uh, of the culture uh, are kind of your your og D D party right your role-playing party right yeah. uh when you think vikings it's like you know you go out and you do brave deeds you're expected to fight you're expected to go out and and kill things and take their stuff right um and, and so as I was putting together a prototype fantasy setting, um, I decided that really you could have a deeper experience by having these cultural touchstones um, in in the setting. And and I had started doing sword and shield work uh, at a Viking martial arts school. Yeah, and and you know the the fighting is tied to culture 
and, and so kind of Nordland really as a setting is for me a way of taking the the expectations and tropes of a fantasy role-playing game and putting them in a context where your day job is to go out raiding and kill things and take their stuff made sense or at least enough sense that you could start hanging things off it yeah um and so you know the 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 northern setting is uh, geographically it's minnesota uh if you if if you uh, if you actually take a uh, so I, that's where i'm from um yeah. and if you take a look at the broader map and you line up uh, uh Akarisborg, uh with duluth and konungsborg the capital if which may or may not be on the map with the twin cities you're like oh look <laughs> no and you know that means that wisconsin has been sunk into the sea which you know <laughs> no one will miss them kidding, kidding. um but uh and in canada is the bad guys which you know um that works out um so but yeah so it it's it it's geographically and climate wise it's uh a, a setting like that but i wanted somewhere that embraced the standard tropes of of, of dungeon fantasy role-playing game um while at the same time giving enough touchstones uh to uh to hang some really cool adventures off of i mean personally it quite resonated with me i think growing up i mean i grew up in scotland originally i don't sound it anymore i know but i am actually originally scottish lived in scotland for uh, almost 20 years and now living in the north of england there's a lot of a lot of history around you know viking invasions viking settlements i mean york's just around the corner effectively for us we were just there the other week for like some of the you know exhibitions around york and the excavations so it kind of really resonates with me especially i used to love viking mythology and some of the sagas when i was younger as well so you know it really took me but i guess from the point of view of my players um what's probably some of the things i should emphasize to get that kind of northern feel i mean for myself some things i've looked at already are some of the, the names of the creatures so it's kind of i really like getting away from the dnd tropey creatures for lack of a better way of putting it there's not like beholders there's not illithids you know it's not goblins as such i mean they are slightly reskinned i think you probably admit yourself but you know i guess from your point of view what are some of the things i could do to emphasize to try and get that feel across to the players you know i i think there's once you get out into the wilderness it's going to feel like any other bog standard role-playing game. You're out there, you're doing your thing, you're surviving. I think the big difference to make it a Nordland game is to emphasize what happens when you get back to town. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that the setting tries to do is every locality has its main festivals, which you can, I'm going to do a little, uh, shameless promotion of various books the main festivals that you run into uh are found in hand of asgard in the back yeah um and those are uh tied to some of the major events in the calendar uh the the nordland calendar begins in march yeah uh with the equinox yeah. because january 1st doesn't make any sense Right? Yeah. There's nothing special about no, January yeah. 1st. No. But the equinox is is something that the whole world can see. Yeah. Um, so it starts at the equinox um, with a couple of festivals, and then there's at least one major festival per month. And I totally stole the Nordland, the uh, uh, regular calendar because, you know, there's there's only so much you can ask a player to memorize. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I do know um, what I mean. 
So in any case, there's uh, one of the things that I found out in researching the settings is and, and medieval life in general is there's like 60 holy days a year. <laughs> I mean, you've, you've got at least yeah. one thing going on pretty much every week. Yeah. And one or two a month of those are big deals. Yeah. So so I really wanted to embrace that. And the other thing about it is that it really gives a game master a fantastic hook to introduce the culture and the setting to a new group of players to either this particular setting vikings in general or just the world that you want to play because what i usually do is i have the group coming in frequently by ship yeah because that way where they started is is um uh vague uh every time i do an open form thing i have bandits attack the ship yeah on the way in uh it gets people used to the combat rules and then when the inevitable defeat of the overmatched bandit force yeah. uh, uh uh is registered the players walk into town with a reputation they have stories to tell and people are telling stories about them and that gives a great opportunity for the local lout to give a shoulder to the barbarian because he couldn't be that tough. Yeah. Right. And then, then it's like, oh, well, are we going to draw weapons? Well, no, it's a friendly wrestling match. And the loser, uh, the winner buys yeah. drinks after. Right. And, and you get to feel how the inherent, the violence inherent in the system, to borrow a line. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you get to feel how a culture that is steeped in violence, that seems to be steeped in violence, can can embrace that without necessarily having blood and guts every 10 feet. Yeah. Um, it also uh, gives an excuse, uh, and I will take any excuse to break out the grappling rules because yeah. I love me my grappling rules and whatever, whatever. But but you know, a friendly wrestling match, you know, the very first story ever told, the the epic of Gilgamesh uh featured Gilgamesh and Enkidu getting yeah. together and becoming best buds over a grappling match over a woman of course that yeah. destroyed local property i mean it was so epic <laughs> it brought it literally brought the house down um and so and people of course you know they've been telling people have been telling that story for thousands of years so it's a, it's a nice way to say look not every town conflict needs to be a bloodbath and a festival you get to say oh well here's the wrestling ring here's the match and you get to see a reputation with that and here's the uh the archery competition and here's the drinking competition and here's uh the flighting competition for you know insult contests and all of these different things where you know like someone wants to start a fight and the other person says well yes but your mother is funny and and you dress weirdly and and your nose is ugly or whatever right and that's not exactly epic verse but I'm not exactly a scald, so there you go. Um, but, you know, there's all kinds of, of ways of doing interesting conflict and, and interpersonal stuff uh, that's provided for in the setting in, in some of the books. Uh, most of them are on, in the Citadel at Nordvorn. Yeah. And I like that particular area as a jumping off place, largely because it's unscripted. Right? The The characters can do whatever they want they can go off into the hunted lands 
for a couple of one shots. There are enough adventure seeds in the book uh, to occupy a party for a bit. Um, and if the party wants to make friends with the one Jarl, they can try that. If they say, oh, this other Jarl, we're going to help them rather than oppose them. So there's all sorts of stuff that they can do guided entirely by a relationship map uh, yeah. in, instead of <laughs> a flowchart. Yeah. Um, and so that's always, for me, a good way to not just introduce the campaign and the culture but also to see what they want to do yeah and then after that hopefully you can get ahead of them i'm debating at the moment because um i was looking to run crypt of uh Krisivik, ah, Krisivik, um, yeah, sure. because because i've got it and it came with uh, delvers to grow which we might talk about a little bit in a minute actually um it was a list of things to mention um but I was I was debating in my head whether to drop them off at Nordvorn first for that reason because I prefer to run a bit more open ended campaigns and I think I can still do that with Krasivik anyway and the fact is I know none of them yet a couple of them have actually bought the product but I haven't read it yet or well, that's what they tell me anyway but we'll soon find out but I can tweak things if I feel like they know too oh, much yeah. what's going on because um, I know they've done I'm going to promote more of your stuff here I know they've done Hall of Justice already so I might still run that but again I think I'll make some changes to it just to warn you when it comes out if you listen to it there might be slightly different only just to throw that particular player off a little bit. Not too much, you know, to, you know, right. mess no, up absolutely. Plot, but enough to kind of, you know, so they can't guess too much about what might be happening or what might be going on, um, if that makes sense. Um, I mean, to get back onto the fantastic, I'm trying to get the title right for this book, Fantastic Dungeon Grappling. Is that the right phrase? I can't remember the name. It is, that. it yes, is. Well, I got that one right. Um, I am looking to use that this time around as well. I have, I am running another uh, dungeon fantasy is mostly moved to GURPS fantasy campaign uh, and I have tried to use it a little bit because grappling hasn't come up too much in that one to be fair but when they have rather than get my head around the GURPS rules which I don't not that I don't like them but I prefer your rules one of the advantages we have as well is we're using Foundry VTT and it actually yep. already has yep. that inbuilt into that program now because I think some of the people working with you on the Patreon and stuff are involved you know they do Foundry as well so we've got a bit of good crossover on that one so that makes my life a lot easier just to throw those numbers in and it kind of tells me that information out which would be quite cool so I'm looking forward to giving that a little bit of a spin and this is the first time I'll be using it properly, so it'll be good to good to give that one a go. Well, the and... nice thing about Fantastic Dungeon Grappling is it, it grew out of a, I won't say it was a more complicated system, but there was a lot more, there are a lot more hooks in the original technical grappling. But that was written in like 2012 or 2013. Yeah. It was written a long time ago. And in what is now nearing a decade of play, we discovered through hard lessons what slowed the game down and what was awesome yeah. and i sat down with some of my co-conspirators one of whom was kevin smith who's wrote uh, uh the delvers to grow books and and hand of asgard and and uh nordlander folk and in particular i like kevin's sensibilities for what's core and makes the game better and what's not yeah. And and so we brutally stripped everything that was less fun or made you look up rules instead of playing the game uh, and managed to condense that book down to about four and a half pages. And then we added some magic spells. Yeah. Because, uh, and, and anyway, and, and what we found is that, you know, it's not overpowered. Yeah. Grappling has its niche. Yeah. Uh, but depending on what you want to do with it, uh, it really opens up some really neat stuff. Um, you know, if I were writing a GURPS fifth edition myself, uh, I would definitely, it, it, it can be hard, but there's some really neat things that you could do to bring 
the grappling and the manipulation of the other person's weapons and body uh, more strongly to the front. Uh, I don't want to digress too much uh, this show uh, because that's not why we're here. But if we, if you ever decide that you want to say, okay, well, you know, people don't just trade blows two or three times a second for five or 10 seconds and until somebody turns into shredded meat, that's usually not how people fight. Um, And, and, FDG really helps bring a, a better pace to fighting if you want to use it that way. Yeah. Uh, but in the dungeon fantasy role-playing game, at either at 125 or 250 points or whatever, you know, you kind of want to get to the good stuff. Yeah. Right. You don't want to say, oh, well, look, we spent 30 minutes playing circling and then I did something <laughs> and he screwed it up and then I killed him, which is how most real fights go. Yeah. Right, you you circle, you probe, you do whatever. Someone makes yeah. a mistake, and that's about that's yeah, the end. That's your opening, yeah. <laughs> and, and and GURPS does that natively; it just compresses it. Yeah. So you know, I don't know that you necessarily want to embrace the full the full bit, but yeah. Anyway, I, I really dig FDG, and and the thing that I really like about it, and and people think of, oh well, how can my character grapple? As a game master, grappling is for monsters. And grabbing player characters and lifting them off the ground so that they can be eaten by eaten by the big toothy maw <laughs> is tons of fun, and you should frequently do it. Yeah. Um, you know, oh, here's a little goblin. He's harmless, but his thirty buddies <laughs> adding control points together are much less harmless. And getting yeah. dogpiled by uh, a swarm of small creatures uh, is is about the worst thing because <laughs> uh, most player characters don't make the proper investment in a short weapon with close combat skills yeah. and they realize the folly of their of of their life choices very quickly <laughs> definitely and <laughs> so just touch on something else i mentioned is delvers to grow so yes. it's uh your most recent kickstart well second to most recent no, kickstart, that's right I guess I, yeah. it is yeah. the most recent kickstarter, kickstarter because yeah. the no, I was uh, gonna say the thing that i'm doing right now is direct to backer kit but that's a different story so the thing that I most put into is that my experience of GURPS when I talk to players who don't play GURPS is that it's difficult to build characters. They say that, especially when you're, you're introduced to the, especially the whole basic set with GURPS, should we say, there's a lot of stuff in there that's not relevant, lots of tech levels, lots of skills, lots of advantages, and try to work out how you build a character. So when you look at games like D&D, that's the most popular one out there, dare we say it, um, where you basically just pick a character class and make a few choices, and it's fairly easy to throw a character together if you random rolls and off you go. And so that to me was always a thing. And fourth edition did address this a bit with some of the templates. And again, Dungeon Fantasy RPG did it again with more sort of refined templates that give you options. But there's still a lot of, you've got all these choices and 60 points, pick them. And as I know, some people don't want to sit there and read through all the advantages and read them. So Delvers to Go really kind of addressed that to me by having, and maybe you can probably talk more about it than I can around the system of, you know, you break it down into your fast, your strong, and your smart Delvers, and that brings you to your professions. And you make a small number of choices around how you refine that and then that builds your character and it does it in quite a good descriptive way i feel as well so um. that's right so so yeah i mean you've you've hit most of the high points but i will amplify a little so so i agree and even as a writer for the system i do not enjoy the character creation metagame yeah Right, I, I don't enjoy building characters. That's not where I have my fun. Yeah. That does not mean that it is fun for, you know, there are lots of other people. And frankly, I think the people who inhabit the GURPS forums and the GURPS Discord and stuff tend to be the people who really enjoy the character yeah. creation metagame. But my own experience, and it is somewhat anecdotal, but I think it's backed up by 
what other like Crom, you know, Dr. Sean Punch has yeah. said, is that those people are a select few, a self-selecting few, and that most people just want to play. Yeah. And, and so what Delvers to Grow does is using mostly natural language um, allows you to take pre-curated packages that benefit from an awful lot of system mastery that's under the below the waterline you know yeah. uh it, it, it's the synchronized swimming above the waterline it's all pretty and graceful and below the waterline or water polo for something else you've got flailing feet and all kinds of crazy <laughs> yeah. but that's not what you want to see you want to see the graceful thing that leads to yeah. the character and what delvers to grow lets you do is you say what archetype fast strong or smart are you want to do what's your profession going to be and because the dungeon fantasy role-playing game is built around professions it it, it funnel delvers to grow is a facilitator for that yeah if you want to do something different you can and it's easy to just say oh well you know pick any upgrade you want or swap this out or move yeah. around but you can get to a 90 percent character in anywhere between the record is is three characters in 10 minutes yeah um and the more typical is ready to play in 15 yeah um and and so one of my uh patron subscribers runs a walk-up a pickup game yeah where you can just walk into a his his game store and play dungeon fantasy role-playing game just drop in and and that's something that everyone is used to with old school D&D or fifth edition or low level, even low level Pathfinder, which gets very, very complicated at, at you get higher levels at first, second or third level. You're really only make, still making a couple of choices. Yes. And, and that is entirely possible with Delvers to Grow, uh, thanks to the great work that, that Kevin did. Um, but that's what I wanted. I wanted something where you could say, I'm going to be a fast delver archer and i'm gonna pick or a scout i should say um and i'm gonna i get and that gives me these certain modules that that give me my core capabilities and i get to pick two disadvantage modules i frequently will pick those first yeah. uh for 50 points of disads that are thematic and i want to build on that i think that there, there, i i would like to publish an entire book of backgrounds and disadvantages yeah. and stuff um that uh that will broaden that a bit uh but and then you pick an upgrade module what am i particularly good at uh, i think if you're playing at the 187 level you get two upgrade modules yeah two upgrades yeah, um true. but it's that's it and then you pick a loadout yeah uh if you're a smart delver you pick a spell list yeah um Kevin hated writing those, by the way, because they're hard. <laughs> they're hard yeah. work. Yeah, you got all the prerequisite chains for yeah. for for wizards chains and stuff. Pain, and, yeah. and and yeah, so I mean, but you know, the, it it covers the the blaster caster, uh, and there's some really neat uh, trope defining things that he's written, like a heroic spell slinger, which makes yeah. the you know fireball slinging yeah. mage a little bit more friendly. Um, but in any case, you're talking like a half a dozen choices and then play. Uh, and there's a lot of them like heroic spell slinger. You kind of know it's, it's what's on the tin, right? Yeah. You, what does heroic spell slinger do? Well, it pretty much does what it says. <laughs> yeah. You're going to be flinging magic around and that's what you do. 
Um, what does Arms Master does? Well, you're a master at arms. You get to use almost any weapon as long as you've invested in them. So it, it, it's a lot of the stuff are things that are very synergistic. So you don't have to know the system to yeah. know that you're going to be, oh, what are you? I'm a wrestler. I'm a beefcake, right? I'm a slab of beef. Uh, I, or a mountain of meat or whatever it is, right? You know, it, it's, they're, they're very evocative. And so in a couple of choices, uh, you can start play. And, you know, I for a lot of people, I think they look at this and say, well, I'm really good at GURPS. I don't need that. I'm like, yeah, but your friends probably do. Yeah. Uh, or the people that you want to bring into the game, people who might really enjoy it, uh, can get playing and get exposed to the power of the system at the table, which is really quite simple. Mostly yeah. you're rolling 3d6 or a couple dice for an effect roll or whatever. Um, GURPS is very fast at the table, but the activation energy, to borrow a technical term, is high. Yeah. You, have to, you have to get over that character generation Vision. hill. Yep. And frankly, that's what a well-crafted setting like Nordland, even if I do say so myself, <laughs> does as well, is it lowers the activation energy for world building for the GM. Yeah. Well, what, what am I doing here? Well, you're playing fantasy Vikings. Okay, I can embrace that. You kind of have a, an expectation of what that's going to involve. And then you can, uh, well, what, is the cosmology the same? Well, a little bit, mostly, mostly enough. Yeah. Right? Uh, and where it's, uh, uh, and that's kind of why, why the Dungeon Fantasy role-playing game, there's actually a, fun, a short answer to that as well as a long answer. The short answer is I wrote it for the Dungeon Fantasy role-playing game uh, uh, because I was allowed to, yeah. right? I, uh, my, that's what my license says is right for this. Yeah. However, the great thing about the box set is that I can hand it to an author yeah. and say, this is what you need. Yeah. Right. He, here's a world guide ish, uh, here, or here's, here's Citadel at Nordvorn or Hand of Asgard or Nordlander folk. This is the world and races and whatever. Here are the rules. These books are all you need. Yeah. Um, and go right. And and they have and they do. And yeah. sometimes, like in Crypt of Chrysovic, you know, I'll get what they do and say, okay, this isn't quite consistent with how this works. As Nordland guy, I'll say, okay, do this instead, or how yeah. about this? And then, you know, we tweak it out and then we publish it. But not having to say, well, what about sages? What about the time travel this uh, is this part of infinite world no right if it's not in the box it's not there yeah a and it makes it much easier to wrap your arms around as a publisher as a writer and as a player and so i probably would have embraced the dungeon fantasy role-playing game for my own and my my player base's sanity yeah anyway because if you want to do that you don't want to come in and say here are the 42 books that you need in order to play this. Yeah. However, I feel very comfortable saying, here's the box set, go. Yeah. And, and to be fair, that's some of the reason why I've used it a lot more recently for that reason, that if some of the players I've got are new players, some people were new to GURPS, and it was easier to me to say, this is Dungeon Fantasy Adventurers and Spells. These are the books you need to read, and there's, what, 130 pages out of the two of those? That's including all the spell lists, as opposed right. to throwing a massive book with everything about gravity and radiation rules that they just don't need for a fantasy setting, and it really slims it down to takes things that tech levels aren't as important in there, so they're, they're taken out. 
and it really and it gets to you get to the table faster the same way we talk about Delver Secure. It gets you to the table faster, it gets them to read it, understand right. what they're doing. They get the idea of the setting. And it's it's easy because it's, you know, fairly standard fantasy in, in that sense. But yeah. with Nor but with Northland, it'll be quite good because I'm gonna bring that touchstone of the 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 Norse, for lack of a better word, kind of mythology into there. But again, like you said, it's that to me, that's an easier step in for most players where, you know, they don't have to delve through the whole things of GURPS. And I, I like GURPS, I'm not slagging off GURPS to make that one clear here. I do enjoy the fact that it's a flexible because I've played all right. sorts with it. But for new players, I want to make it as accessible for them as possible, where, like you said, you can just hand them things and say, this is the book you need to read. It's quite short. There you go. You know, read through it. And then obviously, you know, they get to that table faster and it really works a lot better, in my opinion. Right. And, and there's nothing wrong with, with, you know, I mean, jumping in with the, you know, what you want is for people to have fun, right, yeah. ultimately. And for people who want to sit around a table or around the screen and, and, interact with with people playing a fantasy game you know you don't want to say oh you want to play a role-playing game great first let's talk about your character and then we'll have session zero with all the other players and then we'll tweak out and then i'll do world building and then we'll play how does you know a fortnight or two or three sound to start well you've lost most people at that point yeah right what you want to do is say oh you want to play a role-playing game, bam, here's the box set, bam, here's Delvers to Grow. 15 to 30 minutes later, we're going to be rolling dice, killing monsters, and taking <laughs> their stuff. And, and that's what a well-crafted setting and, and quick start character generation rules do. If after that, they're like, well, you know, I'd really like to do this instead of this, you know, as long as you're not too far into it, then you let them do it, right? Yeah. You let them tweak out their character and yeah. say, oh, well, yeah, you can do some of this. And if this is the game that people want to play, we can introduce these rules or whatever. Um, and that's always a better, you know, that's no different than saying, hey, I got this cool splat book in, yeah. in, in Pathfinder 5th edition. Um, can we use it? Well, let's take a look at it and see how it works and blah, blah, blah. That, that, there's no difference there. Yeah, no um, difference but there. the the key is that you want to get rolling um, right away yeah. uh, to, to get to get people invested in the game. So I think we're kind of coming up to the end of the time now. So I just wanted Indeed. to say um, thank you again for your time. And I'm, I'm really excited, also slightly nervous about running <laughs> this actual play because it's the first one I've done, but really excited to kind of get out there and play it with some players and kind of show your work and also get really into the, the lore of Northland. Um, so just any last thoughts you want to say before you go? You know, uh, I guess what I'd say is, first of all, thank you for running the game in Nordland and running it publicly. Uh, I think it's a great setting, uh, you know, between Dragon Heresy and Nordland, there's a complete Viking world out there that, that happened even a little bit before Vikings started to be cooler yeah. um, because it's been years in development. And so there's a lot there, uh, but, you know, embrace it, go out, do cool things. And, uh, you know, if your party gets TPK, you can wake them up as 400 point honor yard. Uh, and then, you know, just, it doesn't, you know, death is only the beginning, right? Um, so, uh, uh, but, you know, seriously, uh, you know, thanks for running it. And uh, as you tell stories, keep them in mind, because if something cool happens, who knows, maybe we can see it in print, yeah, right? The, 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 cool, the, cool, the coolest ideas start from something that uh, uh, either you want to happen at the table or like, oh, well, here's something that was really interesting and we're just going to run with that. And, you know, uh, the other thing that I would say is uh, there's a giant region of extreme violence and danger uh, to the north and west of Nordland called the Hunted Lands. And that is a great place to spread out a variety of challenge levels. So when yeah. in doubt, 
a village in the hunted lands is is in danger go save them yeah <laughs> <laughs> always good advice so thank you doug thanks again and hopefully i'll be speaking to you again soon absolutely thank you for having me Thank you for listening. Hopefully that was informative for you all. If you have an interest in Gaming Ballistic and Nurse Doug's work, um, please check out his website. I'll put a link in the show notes to the Gaming Ballistic website and the Patreon. If you like it, please, please consider supporting the Patreon and letting Doug do this as a full-time job so you can give us more cool stuff to play with. Um, and hopefully you'll enjoy the actual play that's coming as well. So next episodes will be a couple of episode zeros where we'll be looking at character creation and talking about what the game's going to be about and sort of discussing some of the ground rules of the game. So until next time, everyone, keep on gaming. Thank you.